Well, good afternoon, Lake Norman, and welcome to Town Talk. We're coming to you live from WSIC, the Real Talk Studio, nestled on the banks of beautiful Lake Norman, streaming worldwide from Madrid, Spain, to Pacolet, South Carolina, population 2,331 people, Andy. I'm your host, Bill Russell, president of Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce, the largest chamber of commerce in the Charlotte region. My guest today is Andy Upchurch. He is the co-owner of Ben 110 and Perspiration Lake Norman. But right now, Bill Blakely, he is my producer and and Bill, Bill, I think it's always great when the Bills are in charge. What do you think? I love it. It's wild, wild Bill time. <laughs> wild Bill time. Well, Bill, it's official. The 2023 College Football Playoff Selection Committee snubbed the University of South Carolina once again. Yes. We will not. Could be, not believe it. We will not be playing for the national championship. We will not even be going to a bowl game. Yeah, I don't even think they panned to them during the <laughs> selection show. <laughs> I was telling Andy, I pay a, a lot of money to be humiliated. And what was your response, Andy? Well, my response is I would charge you half that price, <laughs> and I would humiliate you every time you come to Ben 110. I, I told Bill, I, I, I am a Gamecock fan. Uh, I think God made me a Gamecock fan to keep me humble. I really do believe that's why. Okay, Bill, I was on vacation last week. We did have a, a show that we taped. Uh, we had a lot of Christmas activities. We had Christmas in Davidson. Did you go to any of the Christmas programs? Um, I was not able to go to Christmas in Davidson. I did have family members go to Christmas in Davidson. They loved it. They love it. They got two little girls. I got two little nieces, and they have a ball. I heard I heard both the Christmas parade, the North Mecklenburg Christmas parade, mm-hmm. and Christmas in Davidson went off really, really well. Yep. Were you? Did you participate, Andy? I did not. Okay. I've been fairly busy with uh, demolition and remodel. <laughs> yes, yes, so. yes, 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 you have. But uh, we got a lot of stuff going on for Christmas. Uh, before I went on my vacation, I actually went down to Old Store Produce with Danny Phillips and got my Christmas tree. Danny always does me up right every year. And I think this might ha- actually be the prettiest tree I've ever had down at the farm, uh, Old Store Produce. So if you hadn't got your Christmas tree, go down and see Danny because it's really nice. We installed our town boards. Monday night. So Huntersville yes. and Cornelius, <clears throat> we've got uh, them installed. Uh, Mayor Christy Clark from Huntersville is going to be one of my guests uh, in January. I think January 17th. So we got her coming in. Um, earlier today, uh, the Giving with Grace Foundation, Jack and Robin Salzman, uh, they had their foundation. They gave away $200,000. Wow. Dollars. $25,000 to several Lake Norman charities. Uh, everything from, from the Hope House Foundation to Feed right. North Carolina, uh, some animal shelters. You'd love to see it. It was amazing. Yes. It, it was absolutely amazing. So um, it, it hats off to uh, the Salzmans for what they do. Um, Andy, we, we want to talk about Ben 110 and, and Pinspiration. Uh, but first, uh, what it, you co-own it? With your wife, Tally, and we, we had hoped to have her here, but she's not available. Yes, yeah, she had another uh, engagement pop up just today, so couldn't get out of it. Well, what is what was the inspiration and what is uh, behind Pinspiration? But what's the what's the what is Pinspiration? Well, Pinspiration is a DIY craft studio. It's uh, located in Huntersville, right behind Target. And basically, if you walk out of our back doors, you see the loading docks at Target. So it's it's pretty close there. Um, you know, Tally really has a passion for anything DIY or crafty. And she wanted to, to meld that with a business uh, idea that would bring the community together and bring a, uh, put together a place that people could come together and explore their inner craftiness. And so Pinspiration is about a 3,600 square foot facility. It's big ceilings, bright, open, good energy, dozens of different crafts, paint splatter rooms, private room for parties, um, and of course a beer and wine bar because we own it. So why wouldn't you have a beer and wine bar in it at least? So and located where? It's in um, Huntersville on um, North Cross, uh, North Cross Parkway, I believe mm-hmm. is what it's called. And you said splatter room. We had a ribbon cutting for you, and you you showed me one of the rooms. And uh, what is a splatter room? Well, our splatter room. There's really nothing like our splatter rooms anywhere in Charlotte. Um, it's a Jackson Pollock inspired uh, paint splatter room uh, where people can don some protective gear. Go into our, our our spider rooms that have DJ quality lights, uh, optional black lights if you choose the glow in the dark package and your own sound system, and you get to throw paint at at canvases. And I'm not going to lie, occasionally at each other, 
Um, there's, there's, there's some mild paint fights in there, but everyone gets a chance to go in and be creative, have some messy fun, come out with a masterpiece they created, and every one of them's an original. You can't recreate any of them. So people have a lot of fun with them. People, people will ask us all the time, who has more fun, adults or kids? It's really a coin flip. A lot of adults will come in and they think, oh, I'm just going to watch. I'm like, no, you, you kind of need to do that because I, I would almost lean towards adults having as much fun, if not more fun, than kids in it. So, so when you talk to talk about your target market, it's both adults and, and children and kids. It is. I mean, we do an awful lot of birthday parties for kids, um, ladies' night out. Uh, we even do some corporate team building functions, and uh, we can even ho host uh, corporate meetings in our private room with our own AV and restrooms and things. So... But yeah, it's 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 really something for everyone. So, and you just answered uh, one of the questions I was going to ask. But I'm going to ask it again. You, know, you um, so you have special events there. You can have you have ladies' night. You you do do corporate team building. How would how would a, a Lake Norman company or a business go about uh, booking the facility? So all of our private events are booked through Tally and I directly because they're customized. So it's it's really tough to do that on a website or to call the studio and talk to one of our creative assistants. So. On our website, uh, we have a link uh, that you can click on for party requests, and you just fill in some basic information, which is a lot of it's your contact information, preferred dates and times that you're looking at, and then we reach out to everyone directly and and, and customize it and build it. And and what is that contact information? You, what's the website that they would go to? We usually use a link tree, um, which just kind of cuts through some of the find it on the website, but our, our website address is pinspiration.com forward slash Lake Norman. You talked about food and beverages there. Uh, what what kind of food and beverages are available at Pinspiration? So there's, you know, there are, there are quite a few craft businesses in our space, and we're all a little different for different reasons. And one of the things that makes us different is a lot of the craft places that um, are in our lane don't have food and beverage. They allow people to bring their own and such. But we decided up front to, to, to invest in a kitchen, uh, to invest in getting a health department rating, uh, a, a beer and wine license from the North Carolina ABC Commission. And so we have a full beer and wine bar as well as a complement of, of soft drinks. But we do pizzas, chicken nuggets, cheese boards, dip trios, and, and just various snacks. One of our popular things, especially with kids, and I, although I will say I've served a few to some adults, is we have DIY cupcakes. So we serve a cupcake on a paint palette. And instead of paint in the depressions, we put different colored sprinkles and jelly beans and things, and then the kids get to decorate their own cupcake before they eat it, get icing all over themselves. <laughs> uh, is, is, is Pinspiration a franchise, or is this your own personal creation? Or It is a franchise. There's about 40, I think, open in the country right now, so it's a really small franchise, um, which, you know, is good and bad. I mean, you know, it's a small franchise, so it's not as, it's not as dialed in as, as some of your larger national franchises as far as buying power and things. But on the good side is that we have a little bit of autonomy as local business owners. Uh, we, we have a lot of say on how we run our business and how we interact with our customers um, that maybe you don't get sometimes with big corporate national franchises. And you, and you said, uh, that, you know, Tally had a background in, in arts and culture and, and crafts, and she enjoyed doing that. Well, it's a little bit of a sore spot because you brought brought up the college playoffs, <laughs> but yeah, so Tally graduated from Florida State with a hospitality degree, <clears throat> even though she's been in the pharmaceutical industry now for twenty five years. But she started out managing country clubs and being in the hospitality side of it. And she's not very happy about the uh, selection committee. Well, we're gonna when we go off, we'll talk a little bit about the more selection committee. And and uh, for for those of you who are with us on Town Talk, we're gonna go to our sponsors, and we'll be back in about five uh, seconds to all those on streaming. So join, come back. Uh, yeah, so the uh, Florida State <laughs> was, was what's the one that was actually snubbed by the college football? I, I, I'll tell you though. I did you watch the? Were you were you there for the ACC championship? We did not go. We were going to, um, but again, we we just been so busy with stuff going on that we were just we were kind of tired, and we said, you know, let's just watch it at home. So we watched it at home, and then it was it was tough in the first half. I mean, it's it's <clears throat> clear that we're not the same team that we were with Jordan Travis, right, but. Right. Still, still won those games without him. We're still thirteen and zero. Still won the ACC. <laughs> oh, that's true. Well, for those of you who are streaming, uh, Andy, we're still live uh, streaming. We are we are on X, uh, which used to be Twitter, but now it's X. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, and and many other social platforms that I don't even know about. But uh, we're still streaming, and we're going to talk about some Chamber of Commerce activities. And tomorrow night, 
Uh, we are having our, our our most outstanding networking event of the year. It's the Macintosh Law Firm uh, Business After Hours. We have uh, Macintosh Law Firm, Brickhouse Tavern, Bookman Bright, Retirement Planning, all putting on the annual Christmas social. Uh, it's open to our membership, food and drink provided. Uh, that's going to be at 209 Delberg Street, 530 to 7, again, at the Macintosh Law Firm. And we encourage our chamber members to come out. And those of you who maybe aren't chamber members, if you own a local business, you want to find out about the Chamber of Commerce, that's probably the preeminent networking event that we have going on all year long. The Huntersville Connection uh, for the end of the year is going to have a program at Stop Restoration on Friday, December 8th. Uh, it's a potluck breakfast and a gift exchange. However, you do have to RSVP at the Chamber for this event. Stop Restoration is located 330 Seagull Street, Unit 20 in Huntersville, North Carolina. Uh, immediately following that, join Valerie and Brianna as we celebrate the opening of Bravana Boutique. That's a mother-daughter duo, and uh, there's going to be uh, light refreshments there as well. Bravana Boutique is located at 15004 Village Crossing, Suite 500 in Huntersville. Again, that's 1030 to 1130 this coming Friday. Uh, join us Monday, December the 11th as we cut the ribbon. We're having a lot of ribbon cutting, Vandy. It's not slowing down at all. Jazzy Cheesecakes. So meet Jordan and his staff uh, with their deliver delicious Jazzy Cheesecakes. And uh, it's a great place to pick up some for that Christmas special. Uh, they're located at Biddick Lane Suite 120 in Huntersville. Uh, those of you who are streaming, stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Town Talk on WSSC. I'm your host, Bill Russell. I'm here with Andy Upchurch. He is the co-owner of Pinspiration Lake Norman, also Ben 110. And we're going to get around to some of the things going on Ben 110. But first, Andy, I was telling you before we actually went on air, I have some wine questions since Pinspiration, nice offering of wines down at Pinspiration. Um, you know a, a good bit about wine. So what's the difference between champagne and sparkling wine? That can be a fairly controversial um, question <laughs> for some people. Um, there's there's some awfully good sparkling wine that's <clears> produced, <throat> and it's produced in the champagne method. But just from a legal standpoint, from a court ruling, um, the only champagne that can be called champagne comes from the Champagne region in France. So it's a sparkling wine that's made in champagne. Question for you. Can I avoid a headache when drinking wine? How can I avoid a headache when drinking wine? And Bill's probably saying, I don't drink as much. <laughs> There are a few things. I, mean, I, th I think there, there are some misconceptions about headaches in wine. Some, some people think it's because of sulfites. Um, I, I would say not necessarily so. Usually people that are allergic to sulfites have more of an anaphylactic reaction or a respiratory reaction to, to sulfites. Um, it, it generally leans more towards don't drink as much. Mm -hmm. um, drink plenty of water. Right. Um, right. And sometimes the cheaper wines that you drink are, are, have a little more residual sugar. And so if you're drinking a, a lesser um, cost wine, sometimes you're going to be ingesting a lot of sugar, which is going to um, aid that headache a little bit. Andy, we're coming up on the on the, a real social season, so a lot of dinner parties going on and entertaining guests. Uh, what wines would be good to serve for a holiday dinner that most people would enjoy? That's a tough question, too. Uh, everyone's palate's different. Mm -hmm. um, I would say it depends on what you're going to eat. If you're having a, a big prime rib roast, um, oftentimes a, a nice big Cabernet uh, would be great with that. Uh, a lot of things with fattier content like a, a, a rib roast or a ribeye would have kind of coats the tongue and it, it, it softens up the tannins um, in, in, in big red wines and makes them you know, pretty enjoyable. Um, Zinfandel is one that people drink a lot with turkey. Uh -huh. um, you know, it seems to pair well. Again, it's a balance between acidity and um, fat content, generally, based on what you're eating. Might sound like a silly question, but uh, is there a better purchase to a, per, a better wine to purchase that has a cork or a screw top? And because sometimes I used to think if you had a screw top, it was not a very good wine, and that's not that's not the case. But it, that was actually. That may have been true many, many years ago. Um, quite honestly, <clears throat> bottling technology is, is such now that you probably should cap all of them. Um, you'll never have a corked wine uh -huh. if you have it in a bottle, on a bottle cap. So um, not necessarily judge the book by the cover there. There's some nice wines that are screw top, um, and there's, it doesn't signal that that wine is any lesser. Um, you know, There's a dwindling supply of cork, too, so cork has become a lot more expensive, and that's why I think 
as we progress along, you'll see more screw tops than you have in the past. You and I were talking about North Carolina wines, and some people shy away from them. Uh, I, I like Shelton Vineyard. I, I think that's a, that's a great vineyard. Uh, I love Biltmore wines. Uh, what's your opinion on North Carolina wines? For me, the North Carolina winery uh, is all about the visit. I enjoy going and visiting those places, all the ones you mentioned. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of other ones up in, 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 in wine country. They're a lot of fun to go with the group of friends and taste through a lot of different varieties of North Carolina wine. Um, it's not my favorite to drink at home. Um, you know, I'm, I lean a little bit more towards traditional Napa Valley, Washington State, European wines, but North Carolina vineyards are a lot of fun. And when you're, when you're, you're taste testing across all other North Carolina wines, it's, it's enjoyable. As a bar owner, you want people to be careful. And, and um, we do too, from the Chamber of Commerce perspective. How do you know how much wine you can drink before you're impaired? You know, everyone, it's an individual thing. Everyone processes alcohol differently. Um, it also depends on a, a lot of factors, you know, how much water have you had that day? Are you dehydrated already? Um, how much have you had to eat? Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't had a lot to eat that day, alcohol will get into your bloodstream a little quicker. You know, food slows it down some. So, um, you know, definitely you'll start to notice, um, you know, s- speech impairment, any kind of physical impairment, you know, that, that'll give you a clue. But um, a lot of us at our age, we... we we, we, we sort of know <laughs> already where, what our, our, our... That's right. But, you know, lean on your... Or should know. Lean on your industry professionals. I mean, you, your bartenders are the ones that aren't drinking that can tell you, hey, would you like a water? You yeah. know, and that's yeah. usually your sign. <laughs> and I, I know speaking to you, you you've, you've, you've encouraged people. You've, you've told people, take the Uber, get the Lyft, mm-hmm. you know, just you, you watch out for the people ordering down at your place. And that's something I've always admired. In, in terms of, of, of how you operate Ben 110. Um, we talked about some of the North Carolina wines and Napa wines. Is there some lesser known wines that you think are really outstanding wines that people may not know enough about? You know, one of the things about Napa Valley, and, and, and we love Napa Valley. I mean, Tally and I have been to a little over 100 vineyards in Napa Valley. Um, and so we're, we're fans. The, the property values in, in Napa Valley are expensive. And that translates directly into the cost of the wine. So when you when you buy a wine that says Napa Valley on it, you're already going to add a surcharge to that because it's from the land it was grown on. Um, so some of the values in the industry, you're going to find some places where the land's not quite as expensive. So Paso Robles is one. Um, it's a little more of a central coast of, 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 of California. Makes some great wines. Um, Austin Hope is one that, we, that, we've, that we've done a lot with. Um, Jay Ducey is another one. We sell quite a bit of Justin wine, and those are all Paso Robles, and they're all a little more affordable. Uh, you know, I, th- I think we've talked about it, uh, having a, a group go from Lake Norman over to Napa Valley. Have you done a, a tour of, have you taken a group from Lake Norman uh, to we California? Probably, I think four times. We usually go in January. We had to skip 2021 because of COVID, um, but we've we've all the other years we've gone in January. We've taken groups as large as 20. Um, and so, you know, we, you know, one of the things about taking a trip with us that if someone was going to, going to write a check and have us, you know, do the trip for them is we want to provide them experiences that maybe they don't get on their own. So having been to so many vineyards for over so many years, we know a lot of winemakers, we know a lot of winery owners now, um, that we, we get people a little bit more of a backstage experience when we go to those places, they, they, they might open another wine or two out of the library that our group gets to taste that most groups don't get to. So. Um, they're fun. They're a good trip. Um, Andy, how many um, trips would you t- t- take a year to Napa? Usually one. Uh, a couple of years we've taken two. Um, I used to go, we used to go just for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, since Ben 110, we started going and we've, we've made that a, more of a business trip where we book excursions and we book all the transportation and everything for our guests. So it's still fun. I mean, it's, you know, we're still drinking wine and having a good time, but we're also working. We want to make sure that everyone that's there is having a great time and that all the logistics line up. So um, now it's more of a, of a of a business trip with a little bit of fun mixed in. Is there something on the website, uh, either Pinspiration or Ben 110, about the trips uh, to Napa? There hasn't been. Um, you know, traditionally, they, they we, we fill them up pretty quickly oh, with yeah. just okay. word of mouth because um, there's really only room for, I mean, at the most, I would say nine couples because Tally and I take up one of them. So... You're talking about 10 couples that can go at a max. Um, and so we usually fill that up pretty quickly just with word of mouth. What's the best way to learn more about wine? 
you know, I saw a video recently where someone asked Tiger Woods the best way to get better at golf, and he said hit, hit, <laughs> he said hit balls. Don't 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 watch YouTube videos. Hit balls. And I would tell I tell people this in my bourbon steward classes too to get better at at tasting, at nosing, and, and you know, smelling different smells and tasting different flavors in both wine and whiskey. Um, you need to you need to, to sample plenty, and you need to also smell and sample other flavors outside of wine and whiskey so that when you taste them within those spirits, you can identify them. You could say, hey, that's this. Obviously, I grew up in the middle of Indiana. I baled a lot of hay growing up. I know exactly what a hay barn smells like. And so when I smell a four-grain whiskey at the end and I smell all those grains, it smells like a hay barn to me. If I'm talking to someone that grew up in the middle of Chicago that's never been to a hay barn. They smell it, and they, they say, well, it smells something. It smells a little funky, but they don't know what to call it because they've never been in a hay barn. So the more you can expose yourself to those scents and those flavors, the more you're going to be able to identify it when you, you run into them in spirits. Andy, when I go down to Publix or Harris Teeter or Total Wine, there's there's a, a large variety of wines, and it, there's quite a spectrum of prices. Can you find a really good wine at a moderate price? I, I may stop short of really good. You can find some great value plays, definitely. Um Again, it's a palate thing. There are some people that think that you can buy a $5 bottle of wine and it's going to be just as good as, mm -hmm. I hear that a lot, as that $100 wine. Probably not. Um, but you can definitely make some value choices. And we all do that. I mean, we don't all eat out at our favorite steakhouse every night. You know, we eat at some places that are, are you know, a value call. So, You know, I hear some, some things about organic wines. How, how does that differ from other wines or, or does it at all? Yeah. You'd be surprised to know that a lot of your smaller boutique wineries out in, in, in wine countries, you know, whether it be in Oregon or, or Napa or Sonoma, a lot of those places are organically um, farmed as it is. Um, it's just less additives, less things added to the wine, um, a little more pure. Some of, the, some of the wineries that we go to, they, they're dry farm. They don't even irrigate them. Some of the, some of the, 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 the vines are so deep into the, the soil that they hit the water table already. So they don't have to. They don't use pesticides. Um, so people are looking for a little bit more of a pure wine, and, and, and that would be a, a route to go. If you're having dinner and you're having a Chardonnay or, or say, a, a, a cab, and you're going to transition to a cocktail afterwards, what's, what's a good cocktail to transition with in about 60 seconds? I mean, our, our go-to is an old-fashioned, and it's, it's such a versatile, versatile cocktail. It's, you know, it's, you can choose whatever bourbon you like. There's any number of different flavors of bitters that you can use, any number of different flavors of simple syrups that you could use, and you can really tailor the cocktail to your palate. Whether you want to make it more sweet, less sweet, more bitter, less bitter. Um, it's just really versatile. Uh, we're talking to Andy Upchurch. He is the co-owner of Ben 110 and also Pinspiration. We've been mostly speaking about Pinspiration and wines, but when we come back, we're going to switch over to... Uh, Ben 110 and start talking about some of the bourbons uh, that uh, you and I sometimes share. Uh, so those of you who are with us on Town Talk, please come back. And uh, we're going to talk about bourbons in, in just a moment after this break. Stay with us. Those of you who are streaming with us on all of our platforms, thank you for staying with us. We're talking to Andy Upchurch. He is, again, the co-owner of Pinspiration and Ben 110 here in Cornelius. A um, couple other Chamber of Commerce activities before we switch gears. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce is having our diversity holiday luncheon on Thursday, December 14th, noon to 1.30. The Chamber Diversity Council is going to explore the many, many cultural, religious celebrations going on this holiday season. Uh we, we talk about Christmas, but there are many, many other religious holidays being celebrated in this month, and we want to uh, celebrate those. Again, 12 to 1.30 in the Randy Marion Conference Room. Lunch is served. Uh, we would ask that you RSVP. It is required. You need to call the Chamber of Commerce, 704-892-1922. And later that afternoon, from 4 o'clock to 6 p.m., the Homewood Suites by Hilton is celebrating their 15th year anniversary in Davidson. Uh, 125 Harbor Place in Davidson, again, 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock on Dece December the 14th. That's on a Thursday. Help uh, Homewood Suites celebrate their 15th year anniversary. And then Tuesday, December 19th, we're having a ribbon cutting and an after hours, 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock at Ardmore at Brighton Apartments, which is on Forest Drive in Huntersville. 
And uh, again, we, we talked about ribbon cuttings the last commercial break. Ribbon cuttings this time. Somebody told me yesterday, Rod Beard, we had a uh, program down at the Chamber of Commerce that said uh, the Chamber's slowing down. We had a ribbon cutting Monday. We had group ribbon cuttings today. We had an event uh, with, with uh, Robin and Jack Salzman's earlier today. We've got the business after hours tomorrow night. We've got a uh, ribbon cutting on Friday and another another event Friday. I'm not really sure when we're slowing down, <laughs> but uh, a lot of ribbon cuttings. And I hope once Ben 110 is complete and the restoration is, is done and the upfit, we're going to have a massive ribbon cutting. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, we'll, and we're going to talk about it in just a little while about the upfit that you're going to be doing. But uh, again, when do we, when do we anticipate the, the reopening? Mid-January. I anticipate kind of a soft opening in mid-January and then maybe a full, more of a grand reopening the, the last part of January. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that we didn't quite get to in the last segment uh, was, is there certain wines better with certain foods, in your opinion? Well, absolutely. Um, again, it goes it goes back to um, acidity, grape varietal, and, and, and kind of fat content in some of the food. Um, but there the best thing to do is you visit some, some, some wineries, you, you know, ha do their cheese pairings. <clears throat> um, the, the wineries are so good at saying, try, try this wine by itself and then try this particular cheese that we got from this farmer down the street. Um, and then, then try the wine and it completely changes it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, there, it, it, de it definitely can change the flavor of your wine with the type of food you're eating. We got about 30 seconds before we go back. Uh, for those of you who are streaming with us, uh, we're with Andy Upchurch with Ben 110. We're going to start talking about some bourbons and switching gears a little bit. So stay with us here on Town Talk on WSIC. Thank you for being with us. Welcome back to Town Talk on WSIC. I'm your host, Bill Russell. I'm here with Andy Upchurch. He is the co-owner of Ben 110 and also Pinspiration. Last wine question that we didn't get to last time. How long does wine last after you open it? Not very long. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a double edged sword. Oxygen is the is the friend of, of wine and the foe of wine. Right. So, um, you know, it's you know we we in everything that we we pour at Ben One Ten, which inserts argon gas into the bottle. Argon is heavier than oxygen, so it sinks mm -hmm. to the bottom and it forms a barrier so that the oxygen can't ruin the wine that's inside the bottle. That's why we can offer so many wines by the glass because we do that. But in in a day or so, you're, you're going to start to tell that your your red wine is starting to turn um, with the, with exposure to oxygen. Andy, I'm probably going to get in trouble for what I'm fixing to say as the president of Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce because we have a lot of hospitality members, restaurants, bars. Uh, but by and large, the Ben 110 is, in my opinion, the preeminent bourbon bar in all of Lake Norman. Uh, and I got to tell you, you know, it was the location you were in was formerly a wine bar, uh, two incarnations of that. And I went down one time and I guess it's been, what, how did it open? It opened three, four years ago? Six years ago. Six years ago. Oh my gosh. Six years ago. Well, I went down there, uh, six years ago and, um, I, the former, uh, predecessor to Ben 110 served mostly, um, it was wine and with also none of your domestic beers, really. It was craft beers. And I don't really drink a lot of craft beers. I, I do support D9 and, and uh, uh, Lost Worlds and some of the others. But I ordered a wine for Susan and I, and and I'm sitting there looking, and I'm going, gosh, that, that looks like bourbon on the shelves, but it's not bourbon. It's not, because this isn't a bourbon bar. And I walked up, and it was the most, it was the biggest variety of bourbon that I'd seen anywhere. And I'm going, like, oh, my gosh. Um what enticed you to open up Ben 10? And you are from a financial services background. Mm -hmm. So what enticed you to open up a bourbon bar here in Lake Norman and Cornelius? Well, initially, Tally and I had a love for wine, and we both share that love for wine. And, and actually, the, the, our predecessor had, a I think there was 12 to 14 wines on their list, and we have about 100 now. So we, we still care about wine. But we also knew that we, we were fans of bourbon, and bourbon was really just on the edge of exploding six, seven years ago. And, and we, and we kind of felt that. So we, we thought there was a place for a great bourbon bar and there wasn't really one around here. So, um, we, we really wanted a place that everyone could go to receive top notch service, have a great, um, menu selection and be a place that actually we would go to if we didn't own it. And so one of the things that we're most proud of is we get a lot of compliments on staff 
and service. And that, that's, that's really important to us too. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, we, we saw the bourbon train coming and we, we loved bourbon. And so we really embraced that. And we, at 450 whiskeys and counting for us now, we're one of the very largest in North Carolina and one of the largest in the Southeast, actually. And we're not the largest. There's some, especially some in Washington, DC that are enormous. Um, but 450 whiskeys is a, is quite a lot. That's, that is a lot. And I, and I'll tell you, it's, it's one of those things that you, yes, you have all the standby bourbons, but what you do is you stock bourbons that I can't get down at the ABC store. I'm not going to find it. And, uh, whether that's the, what is it, Ezra Church from, from Jack Daniels, and it, is it? Ezra? Oh, Eric Church. Eric, Eric, Eric Church. You're not going to go out and, and get that. You're not going to get the Russell's 13 uh, anywhere else. And so, uh, you know, the, the things that you're stocking uh, and having down there is something that we can't find anywhere. You just can't get it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough problem. And, and actually, I would say that, that MEC ABC over the last three or four years is, is, is doing a, a really good job. You see a lot more of those things in the stores. Supply is getting much better on those things. Um, w- the problem that you have in Mecklenburg County is that we're so large, and there's 31 stores. And so if if the county only gets 24 bottles of something, and half of those are going to go to bars and restaurants, and the other 12 are going to be shipped out to 31 other stores, um, the chances of walking in and seeing the one that that store got mm-hmm. are, are, are small in a big county like this. So that's that's why it's hard to find some of those things. Um, people think I get some special treatment. I really don't. I just get my allocation of what comes to bars and restaurants, which is roughly half of what comes into the county. Um, it's just, it's it's a smaller pool. A couple of weeks ago, and I think it was on a Tuesday night uh, before I went on my vacation, the Tuesday before I went on vacation, was your last night open before you go into a renovation? You are night right now closed uh, because you're renovating a place. Talk about what Ben Wintan is going to be in, in just a few short weeks. You know, when we started, it was you know, we talked about we you know Tally and I wanted to open our own little wine bar, and um, we did that. We stumbled across the the place we're at now, um, but it's turned into quite a lot larger than that. And if you've never been to Ben 110 on a weekend night, you may not know, but we needed more space. Mm-hmm. It was very, very crowded in there. And and the people that were there were having a good time, but it, it presented us some service challenges and some comfort challenges. There probably were some people that I've seen people come to the door and leave because there was really no place for them to be. So we really needed the space. And so we're going to over triple our occupancy. We're going to more than triple our number of seats. Um, we're, we're putting in a full kitchen, so we'll have a small plates menu. We'll also have brunch on Saturday and Sunday and all of our equipment's going to be brand new. The flow's designed for efficiency. We're going to be able to get food and beverage out to people in in a manner that we want the level of service that we want to give people. So it's going to be really be one of the nicest places in the Charlotte region. And it's going to be right here in Lake Norman. And we've always felt like Lake Norman deserved a place like that, that you could go to and not have to drive into Charlotte for it. And when do you expect that reopening? Mid January. Mid mid January. Uh, acoustically, you always you have night inter- you have entertainment down mm-hmm. there uh, quite a bit, uh, but it's, it was always very small, so mm-hmm. it, it kind of got loud. This will allow the acoustics to be much better for the entertainment you'll bring in. It will, and that's one thing we, in my opinion, uh, I'm a little biased. We have the best live music in Lake Norman. We book 150 live music acts a year, um, almost all of it's local talent, which is amazing. We have amazing local talent here. And then we'll sprinkle in some up-and-coming artists from Nashville throughout the year that are amazing as well. Um, but yes, in the smaller space, I mean, you were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this will allow you a little more space to, to not be in it if you don't want to be. Right. But still intimate enough that you can be right in front of the band and, and having a good time if that's what you like. And what kind of music uh, do they play? And I'm, I've been in there for... For several of the of the bands that you have, but what kind of music, what kind of variety are we listening to? What I think works the best in this area is, is really just a, a mix uh, of different genres. Um, very seldom do I have anyone that comes in and does just country or or just rock and roll. They'll 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 usually blend and and, and play some of your favorite songs. Um, some of our more popular bands now um, play some '90s music. Um, there are a lot of songs that everyone knows the words to, um, and you know they're they're just fun. They're fun to sing along to, and and, and, and people do that. Uh, share where you're located and how you came up with the name Ben 110. We are at 19712, 1 Norman Boulevard, and we are Suite 110, which <laughs> might come as a shocking development to you. Um, 
bin is actually a wine storage term. So if you look at a wine cellar with all the wine laid on its side, you can't really see what anything is. You just see the ends of the wine. Um, so they, they, they number bins and with, with, with numbers. So you can say X wine is in bin four or three or 10. Um, since our suite is 110, when you were there, you're in bin 110. What are your go-to bourbons? I mean, you you have all that variety right there at your place. But when I go to Andy Upchurch's house, what do you have on the shelf? Well, I, this this is this is one question I wish Tally was here to help answer <laughs> because we've actually had this conversation about bourbon on the shelves, bourbon on the dining room table, bourbon on the floor. I have I have just as much bourbon at home as I probably have at Ben One Ten, but. My one of my favorite all-time pours is actually a private barrel that Tally and I handpicked from Old Forester. Um, I'm a big Old Forester fan. I've never really had a pour from a bottle that had an Old Forester label on that I didn't like, and we were able to pick our own private barrel. Um, bar- it was it was bottled at um, barrel proof 128.1, and we had 168 bottles of it, and we've got about three left. And I know I'm going to put one of them on the bar when we reopen. Um, and save the other two for special occasions down the road, but it's one of my favorites um, that I've ever had. But as far as um, as far as things you can get readily available, Bargetown Bourbon Company um, they put out some great stuff. One of their higher end blends is the Discovery series. They also anything you ever see that's from their collaboration series where they collaborate with beer companies, cognac companies, wine companies, and they 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 finish their whiskey in those barrels is really good. Um, Old Forester 1910 and 1920 are my two favorite mm-hmm. from the Whiskey Row. Right, right. Um, and and I, I I guess I would finish off with, um, you know, if people ask me if you go to a restaurant, they don't have a great whiskey list. They almost always have Woodford Double Oaked. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, that's what I order. If they don't have a lot of great whiskey, I'll order a Woodford Double Oaked or I'll order a Knob Creek. Those are two standards you can always find that are always just, they're just good pours. You know, uh, you're exactly right with, with me, too. I, my my go-to bourbons were, I like Jack Daniels, Woodford, Woodford Double Oak, uh, the Wild Turkey Family, the Russell's Reserve, the Rare Breed, all of those. But it was you and Andy Yates that turned me on to Old Forester, and and now I, I will not have a bar that doesn't have Statesman. I, I love Statesman, uh, and I also love 1910. So uh, those are those are ones that absolutely are must, and and again, you're responsible for a lot of that. You know, nineteen ten is a good story too. Um, it's it's their take on a double barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a there was a fire on the bottling line in nineteen ten, and they discovered the quickest way to get the whiskey out of the fire was to pour it back into um, barrels to roll it out. And so mm-hmm. when they got back in, they reopened. Then they'd been in a brand new oak barrel for another period of time. And they, they said, hey, these these don't taste like they're supposed to, but they taste really good. So 1910 is their take on a double-barreled bourbon. Well, we're going to talk about more bourbon when we come back right here on Town Talk on WSSC. you got Bill Russell and Andy Upchurch. Come back and see us and on the backside of this commercial. Those of you who are streaming with us, uh, thank you for staying with us on X and uh, also on Twitter and LinkedIn and all the other social media that we have going on. And uh, Andy, I went down to Florida with my buddy. I think I told you I went on vacation. I hadn't really taken a vacation this year. I went down to Florida with Jim Faust and Ed Johnson. Uh, Jed, uh, Ed has a house down there in Pensacola, uh, Navarra Beach. And uh, it's always for the last three or four years that we've gone down there. It's been a weekend where we drink bourbon. I read books. They go they go bicycling and walking, all that stuff. I, I No, I just sit on the couch and read books and uh, watch black and white westerns. This time we didn't watch any black and white westerns. We watched on Disney Plus the Get Back, the Beatles, uh, the whole series. There's there's three Beatles documentary movies, two hours and three hours and two hours of the, the whole, how they did that last concert on the roof. It's just fascinating, um, but had a really, really good time down there with, with Ed and Jim. Um, we also, Jim had a, had a bourbon that he had. I'm trying to see. Um, it was High West Bourbon, and it, it was a blend. It was a blend of uh, scotch. It was a blend of whiskey, and I think it had some rye. You had uh, you had that bourbon. I have so High West makes a a, a ton of different ones. Um, you know, we just recently got um, a, a single barrel High West release that was done for Charlotte for Mecklenburg County, and it was bottled at barrel proof, uh, and so it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one thing I like about I talk a lot about barrel proof whiskey. One thing I like about barrel proof whiskey is even if it's too much proof for you, you can always add water to it. Mm. You can always put it on ice. You can always get that down to where you'd like it. Um, but if you like a little bit higher proof, you can keep it up there. You know, and it's a little bit more premium bourbon too. I think it's about ninety dollars a bottle, something like that. They're they're not. It's not inexpensive. <laughs> um, it's not inexpensive. It's an expensive hobby. <laughs> Uh, we we talked about the bourbons that that we might find at at Andy and Tally's house. What what kind of wines do you would you normally make sure that you absolutely have there at your house? We have um, we probably have eight hundred bottles or so of wine. Um, eight hundred bottles. Yeah. Eight hundred. Yeah. <laughs> we used to have we we before we bought Ben One Ten we were on lots of wine club lists and um, it was funny. Tally mentioned one day. Uh, a, a load came in and she she said, you know, we have, we have, we have a problem. We have a drinking problem. And I'm like, no, we have a buying problem. See, if we had a drinking problem, we would have none of these. We, we just keep buying more and more and they just keep stacking up and filling up our refrigerators. And, um, but we have, we have a bunch, um, but I'm, I'm a big fan of mountain fruit. So those of you streaming with us, uh, stay with us. We're going to come back live in just about 10 seconds. Welcome back to Town Talk. I'm your host, Bill Russell. I am here with Andy Upchurch. He is the co-owner of Ben 110 uh, and also Pinspiration Lake Norman with his wife, Tally. Um, and now we're going to get to some bourbon questions. Again, we were, we were talking about the expansion of Ben 110 and, and talking about bourbon. I love this subject. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for about two months, ever since you said you would do this. Does single barrel mean it's bottled from one cask or... How is it better to bottle with a mix of multiple casts? Uh, talk about talk about being a single barrel. So single barrel means that the entire contents of that bottle came from one barrel. Uh -huh. So it, that is true. Um, on the surface, a single barrel uh, should be a premium bourbon. Most companies that are going to put out a single barrel are going to are going to pick barrels they historically know um, from places in their uh -huh. rick houses that are premium barrels. Some would call honey barrels. Uh -huh. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that, though. Um, even one of your, your very first single-barrel bourbon that was ever produced was Blanton's in 1984. That mm -hmm. was the first single-barrel bottled bourbon. Um, every Blanton's that you taste will be different from bottle to bottle because they're all single barrels, and every barrel gives you something different. Um, but on the surface, it should be better. It should be their premium barrels that they're bottling for your, for your drinking pleasure. What's a weeded bourbon? So when you when you make bourbon, a bourbon has to be fifty one percent corn. Mm -hmm. So the mashable has to be at least fifty one percent corn. Generally, it's in the seventy percent range, corn sixty five to seventy percent. Um, your next grain is your flavoring grain. Uh, that is usually either rye or wheat. Um, and so if it's a weeded bourbon, the flavoring grain was wheat. So it's it's seventy percent corn. It's it's twenty percent uh, wheat. And then usually the last 8 to 10% is malted barley. And it doesn't really add any flavor to it, but malted barley adds enzymes to the fermentation process. So. And, and you brought up something a while uh, just now. Uh, every bourbon's a whiskey, but not every whiskey's a bourbon. Explain what makes a bourbon. So a bourbon has to be at least 51% uh, corn mash bill. has to be made in the United States. It has to be stored in a new charred oak container. Um, it can't be distilled any higher than 160 proof, and it can't go into the barrel any more than 125 proof. It also has to be bottled at at least 80 proof. So it has to meet all those criteria. It cannot have coloring added to it. It can't have flavor added to it. It can't have anything really added to it. Um, whereas other whiskeys, like take Crown Royal, for example. Crown Royal is a Canadian whiskey, and it's even if you add peach flavoring and vanilla flavoring, whatever, apple flavoring, it still keeps its designation as a Canadian whiskey. And bourbon can't have any of those things. The big thing, though, is that people think that bourbon has to be made in Kentucky. Uh -uh. And it does not. Anywhere in the United States. Now, actually, Jack Daniels qualifies as a bourbon, but they prefer to be a Tennessee whiskey. Is that right? They, you know, I always tell people that the, the feud between Kentucky and Tennessee is real. Um, if you look on the surface of how Jack Daniels is made, it would qualify as a bourbon, but, but bourbon is considered to be a Kentucky spirit, uh, <laughs> and they, they would prefer to be called Tennessee whiskey. The only difference in the, in the process that they use is they use a process called the Lincoln County process where their whiskey is filtered through some charcoal, um, filter, maple charcoal filtering, 
which smooths it out a little bit. It rounds the edges a little. Um, but that process is what makes it Tennessee whiskey. Mm-hmm. What makes bourbon small batch? I talk about this in my class too. There really is no definition of that. Um, small batch is really more of a marketing term. You know, anytime you say small batch, whether it be ice cream or, or, or beer, it gives the impression that it's a it's a craft production. It's it's more care is given to it, more attention, and it may be true. Um, but you, there are some true small batches out there. I was part of a pinhook blending that we just did for the state of North Carolina, and we did it was a, it was a true eight barrel blend. Um, that was bottled and, and produced just for North Carolina. So that, that whole batch was made from eight barrels. But you, you'll have some small batches that were, are made from a couple hundred barrels. So there really is no legal definition of a small batch. And, and you just mentioned your classes, and you, you, put, you actually have a, one, uh, a bourbon steward. Is it steward? Yeah, Tally and I both are executive bourbon stewards, and so I, I teach the certified bourbon steward mm-hmm. class all over. I've taught it in multiple states, country clubs, um, you know, other private events, people's homes, and what such, kind of so. process is it? So my class is about two hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually purchased the textbooks from the Stave and Thief Society, which is the only education course for the whiskey industry, um, and we go through the class. And then we go through my presentation. Uh, we taste through a few whiskeys to to pick up differences in mash bills, but just really an interactive way to go through the the, man, the textbook. Um, and then with our class, you get a code to be able to go online and take the exam. When you pass the exam, you'll receive your lapel pin and your designation as a certified and, bourbon steward. And you do this several times a year. I do. Yeah. What, what's the cost of going through your your program? So the cost of the if you were to go online to buy the book and self study, it's seventy five dollars. Uh-huh. You know, when I give the class, it's one hundred and twenty. And for the 120, you get the self, you get the guided part of it from me, and you get the the whiskey flight. Um, so it's it's I think it's I think it's a good value. I think it's more fun to go through it with a group and have questions and answers as opposed to just reading the manual. You know, some people uh, the question is is what's the best way to learn about bourbons? Now I'm going to tell you the the whiskey tastings that you have throughout the year. I've been to probably six or so of your whiskey, whiskey tastings that are from the family. You'll have a wild turkey. You'll have a buffalo trace. Um, again, that is a fantastic program. Not very expensive. It's usually, what, about $80 or so to, to do that. And you do it through Eventbrite, I think. I do, usually. Um, but talk about the whiskey tastings, because, again, that is one of the best things that I think Ben 110 can do for, to educate folks on bourbon. And that's one of the things that will even be enhanced when we reopen. With the kitchen, we're going to be able to you know, provide some food pairings with some of those bourbons and some of those wines. And we could even have a guest chef come in and help prepare some things. Um, one of my big things I'm really excited about is not very much goes better with bourbon than bacon. So we'll have all kinds of different bacons and things <laughs> that we'll be able to pair with some bourbons. And we'll even probably have a bourbon old-fashioned, or uh, bacon old-fashioned with a little, nice little premium piece of bacon in it. But um, I, for all my bourbon tastings, I want it to be something that not everyone else is doing. Um, so if you were to go back and look at some of the tastings we've done, n- no one else in the area has had those whiskeys in a bourbon tasting. Um, so they are, they're $75. You, you can find cheaper bourbon tastings, but they're usually just tasting mm-hmm. your, your run-of-the-mill offerings that you could find on the shelf. Um, and that's just not what we do. And so we, uh, and, and whenever, whenever possible, I mean, I've had the master distiller from Woodford Reserve, Chris oh, yeah, Morris, right. who just retired. Um, he, he's been on a Zoom call with us, walking us through a tasting on a couple of occasions. So I try to get John Rampy from Blood Oath walked uh-huh. us through five years of Blood Oath packs, um, which was fantastic. He was fantastic. So I try to make it a little special. I mean, I want it to be a, a fun, educational, but special event. We were talking about cocktails. I, I, I've shared with you, I, I was never really a fan of cocktails. I didn't believe in putting anything in my bourbon. And then I had your old fashioned, and I've had old fashions from a variety of places in Lake Norman. No one makes an old fashioned like you do, but but share what is your favorite cocktail? An old fashioned. <laughs> um, you know, we yeah, again it's 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 so versatile. Like for example, at Ben 110, I make a, a, a cinnamon demerara simple syrup. Uh-huh. And that's what we make our house old fashioned with. And I like cinnamon, so that's one of my go-tos. Um we also make a fig demerara simple syrup for people that don't like cinnamon and you know prefer you know that angle. But we talked, you know, one of the breaks, it's you know, there's so many different flavors of bitters and so many different you know s- sweeteners you can add sugars that you can make um, you can really customize that cocktail to fit your palate 
Andy, we've got about three minutes left, and we've got a lot of hotel, uh, hospitality going on. You've got a lot of socials, a lot of Christmas parties. I want you to name your top five economical bourbons. And by economical, I mean somewhere around the $50 range that most people can afford. And then what's that one bourbon you would set aside for, for friends? It might be 90 to $150. So five of your top bourbons. you got to have this on your bar if you're hosting Christmas parties. And then the one special bourbon. So I mentioned two of them earlier, and they're in that they're between fifty and sixty dollars. It's it's Old Forester nineteen ten and nineteen twenty. Right. Excuse me. The Statesman that you threw in there mm-hmm. is right in the same ballpark, and so that's also a great addition. Um, Woodford Double Oak. Woodford Double Oak's going to get you up into the sixties yeah, now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's going to be a little more. Um, Wild Turkey, um, rare breed, is is a fantastic whiskey as well for the price. Um, you know, Elijah Craig. Um, get you down into that thirty dollar range. Elijah Craig is 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 a, is a, is a great um, whiskey. It's good in cocktails. Um, even I hate to you know jump on the Old Forester train again, but you're trying to save a little more money for about twenty five dollars. You can do the Old Forester Hundred Proof, um, which is not going to be disappointing either. Whiskeys that that are are special for me, um, you know, Bombergers, uh, which is a, a once a year release from Michter's. Um, Michter's is also one of my very favorite distilleries. They do, they do some great stuff. Um, but Bomberger's and Shanks are two throwbacks to old distilleries in Pennsylvania, of which Michter's bought and created the Michter's brand with. Um, Blanton straight from the barrel, which is barrel-proof Blanton's, which you won't see it around a lot of places. But, you know, regular Blanton's is 93 proof. Straight from the barrel depends on the barrel, but it's usually in that 130 proof range. So it's the purest expression of Blanton's you're going to find. And so that's another one that I'd, I'd probably go to as well. And your special bourbon? Well, those were a couple special ones for me. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, I've already I've already talked about my my Old Forester Private Barrel pick. Um, but I mean, it's it's that's a that's one of the toughest questions people ask me is what's your favorite bourbon? <laughs> Thirty seconds on the safe choice for a holiday gift. You're going to give a bottle of bourbon. What's your safe choice? Oh, uh, the safe choice is Blanton's. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's ever mad at you when you bring them a bottle of Blanton's. Um, you know, it's, it's not my go-to. I mean, there's so many good bourbons out there I've been exposed to, but I mean, from what, you know, the general public perceives, you're never going to go wrong with Blanton's. No, I, I tell you, and, and, uh, the old foresters that you just mentioned, the Woodford Double Oak, uh, again, I can't wait for Ben 110 to open back up because that's, that's the go-to bar. Love your place. Love you having you here today, Andy Upchurch, and sharing a little bit about wine and, and uh, bourbon. If it's Wednesday afternoon, we're talking about Our Towns on Town Talk on WSIC. We'll see you next week. Happy Holidays from WSIC, Statesville, W290DK Mooresville, W264CU Statesville.